Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, this is part two of my delightful chat with Freddie McConnell. If you haven't heard part one, well, you've got to listen to that first, so head back to the feed and find it. If you have heard part one, here's part two. Can't say it's simpler than that, quite honestly. When you talk to SJ about it, how has your discussion been? Has it always been from the beginning and... So um, really early on, I always read him books um, very from very early on, which lots of parents do. And, you know, books that are kind of he wouldn't be able to understand really or appreciate fully. But one of them was a book called What Makes a Baby, which is by an American author and illustrator. And it's a beautifully done book about basically any kind of family could read it and um, make it apply to their situation, which is quite mm. a feat because it's also very simple. It just uses a very simple language. And it's sort of, it says things like when two people want to make a baby, they need to find, they need to find an egg and a sperm and they need to find a place for the baby to grow. And, and they, it's illustrated in ways where you could kind of imprint your own situation onto it with a one of you is pregnant or with a surrogate yeah i definitely recommend that to all families but especially queer families so i used Mm -hmm. to read that to him and so he's very from a very young age been aware of words like egg and and sperm and and donor and yeah we've just always chatted about it and i actually was thinking about this today because he's kind of quite interested in the idea of death at the moment Mm -hmm. um and i but but not particularly interested in sort of where he came from and i'm sure that will come back I think just because we've talked about it from such an early point, he knows it's a topic that we can talk about, um, but it's not particularly interesting to him at the moment. He knows that I've got a baby in my tummy and um, he likes to tell people that. And then I sort of pick up where he leaves off, (laughs) goes off to play. And I'm like, yeah, so, you know, if we don't know these people or whatever. um, I've got it from here. Yeah. (laughs) You don't. Yeah, don't worry about it. And... uh, you know, uh, something funny happened. I realized that, um, you know, yeah, no matter how much you prepare for stuff, stuff will happen that you didn't prepare for. And one of those things was like, you know, he's very comfortable talking about the fact that he's got a daddy and he hasn't got a mummy. And some people have got a mummy and daddy and some people don't have a dad and all these, you know, all the permutations. Mm. But we were at a park one day and an older girl was um he was kind of trying to chat to her and she's like 10 so doesn't care about what a three-year-old's trying to say to her and she i could hear vaguely her say something like where's your mummy and he just went i haven't got a mummy um very matter-of-factly and she was just like you could see like oh oh i'm like really worried (laughs) and a bit sad and a bit freaked out and luckily sj you know he's three so he didn't really notice or care he was just like yeah that's what it is and they went their separate ways but i realized after that like 
it's not so much what I need to talk to SJ about. It's like the people around him. So then that mm. made me, when he went to a different room in his nursery, I made sure to have a chat with his key worker about like, oh, by the way, he might just sort of say in a blasé way, I don't have a mummy. He doesn't, you know, you don't need to react in a sad way to that or in a worried way. You know, just be interested. Let him guide the conversation. I showed mm. them the book that we would re were reading, you know, so... Often it's other adults or other older children that you need to kind of have a chat with. Um, yes, yeah. that's it, isn't it? You know, mm. that everyone needs to get on board with this idea that there's many ways, many, many ways it can be done. Yes. And they're all valid. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what you what you convey to your kid and, and letting them. And this is something Janet Lansbury talks about. They've got to know that they can talk about anything and they can express anything. And if SJ one day expresses to me that he's really sad about not having a mum, then that will be okay. And we will talk about it. And if he really wants to make contact with his donor, that is totally okay. And it's up to him and I will support him in whatever he wants to do. And I think that's what matters. It's about not having secrets and not having shame mm. rather than about any kind of particular family structure. You were saying he's obsessed with death at the moment. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was little, my sister's four years older than me. And I, I think I was probably four and I asked her what death was and she was like, it's, it's just darkness forever and ever. And I was like, I can still see it so clearly in my head now. I was like, sorry, what? And she was like, she was like black for infinity forever. Wow. And I was like, and I literally, I was sitting like, we were supposed to, we weren't supposed to be awake, you know, yeah. and I was still up and we're talking like on our bunk beds. And I remember I just stood up, screamed and ran downstairs to my parents. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Obviously didn't say fuck. I was like, what is this? She's saying it's blackness forever. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I bet your parents were like, God, we should have had a chat about this before, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mum. I just, I really clearly remember it all. My mum just being like, oh, here we go. I was like, she's trying to watch Dynasty. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's been really interesting. Uh, so we listened, SJ loves T Rex, the band. Oh, wow. Which okay. I think, well, I think it's basically based off the fact that I said T Rex, do you want to listen to T Rex? Because so I was trying to find something that wasn't, you know, Mr. Tumble or something. And oh, no. um, he's into dinosaurs. So, like, obviously, yeah, that's really good. But he really, really loves it. And so then we started talking about, um, you know mark bolan and i want to be oh. honest with him I, I will always answer his his questions as, as honestly as i can and i try not to give too much information but also not too little information and obviously i'm yes. just figuring this out as i go so mm -hmm. he asked me where mark bolan lives and i said actually mark bolan isn't alive anymore he died uh, a long time ago but we still have his voice and his songs and um, sometimes SA will just like repeat exactly what I've said to him back to me. So like, earlier he's like, <laughs> we still have his recordings though, <laughs> but he just brings it up quite often at the moment that, that Mark Bolan died and that people just to random people and they'll be like, okay, <laughs> he died well, in listen, a car crash. Yeah. He died in a car crash on Barnes Common. I know this because <laughs> I always used to drive past. So for anyone who doesn't know, Mark Bolan was the lead singer of T-Rex. Yeah. Right? He died in a car crash on Barnes Common and I grew up around there so every time we drove past this bit of Barnes Common people were like Mark Boland died there <laughs> so I know it intimately we should actually. go if, I mean, if, exactly yeah. well, if you ever want a pilgrimage let me know we can go and show SJ the It'd whole be site so great and I, it is, I say this like I kind of totally know what I'm doing but it, I'm not it is still really hard like I, you know he asked me 
the questions go on and on and you sort of get to the point where it's like, but what is dead? <laughs> and I don't know what to say in that situation, but, you know, we mm. sort of talked a little bit about being in the ground and, and becoming, you know, feeding the worms. I think trying to make things as concrete as possible mm-hmm. is good at this age because vague ideas can go weird in tiny right. kids' minds. So even though it sounds a bit gross, maybe, to talk about worm food, that's like something concrete that you can hold on to. I was not that kid. I would stew, do secret research, be convinced it was all over for, you know, many years. Yeah, well, same, actually. <laughs> and again, going back to what we were saying before, I think I was exactly the same. And really? that has helped me not to be like that as a parent. So, you know, yeah, that that will become like one of your superpowers as a parent of like, I remember how scared I felt as a kid. How can I avoid that? And you just Mm. ask yourself those questions again and again. Um, And hopefully it will avoid it. (laughs) Yeah. And then there'll be another problem. Um, (laughs) So um, Chris wrote us a question for you, which was, do you think being a trans man informs a different kind of parenting style? Um, I mean, I guess it's always hard to say, isn't it? Because all you know is your own reality. Hmm. Um, But I think, yeah, I've definitely gone down. I've become more interested in how gender is exists in small children's lives than I might have Mm -hmm. done otherwise, I suppose. You know, although the the book I suggested earlier on was written by a cis woman. So I, you know, I, I genuinely don't think trans people have any kind of monopoly on knowing about gender stuff or understanding it. Like there are definitely some really toxic ideas about gender recreated and, uh, you know, in the trans community and amongst trans parents. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can really say. I mean, I I think the challenges will really start to come when he goes to school, actually. And that's something that, yeah, scares me sometimes. As soon as I... The less control you have over your kid's environment and they're from a queer family, I think mm. the trickier it gets. Mm. I think it's also like, um, you know, I don't have the answer, obviously. Um, but I think a sense of pride actually instilled in yourselves as a family you know we are this family there are other families out there people will think we're not going to be like there's not going to be a bazillion families out there like us but we're a great family and you remember that you know Mm. i feel like and i've noticed that growing up that those families who were like we're great without and not in an arrogant sense but you know like we are a unit together Mm -hmm. solid I think has always been something I've been like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And I definitely have um, had to teach myself, I feel like, to be more expressive. I'm not a very expressive person romantically or, uh, yeah, I, hence I think becoming a solo dad by choice, it just really suits me. So I've made sure that Esh and I do have those kinds of chats. Um, and we actually Absolutely. tend to do like quite a lot of bed sharing so yeah often first thing in the morning or just before he goes to sleep we'll have we'll just connect in that way but yeah Mm. i think that comes more again from like what i didn't have in my own childhood and what i see and how anxious i was as a kid not that i didn't have very loving parents but um you know it's just different times right so um Mm. again not necessarily to do with being trans um but yeah i I mean I, i guess i hope that my experience of gender on both sides of the divide or however you want to say it will um will help me avoid uh well it will help sj i suppose avoid kind of uh, manifesting toxic masculinity when he's a teenager but i doubt mm. it <laughs> like, I'm, 
Yes. Well, it's like, you know, we are, we regurgitate the society around us, don't we? Yeah, know? exactly. And it's no, it's, it's, it's a fool who thinks that your parenting style can change that. Oh God. Yeah. It depends. It will depend on his friends and, you know, the town we're living in and politics maybe at the time and maybe whether climate mm. changes. Who knows? <laughs> we'll all be underwater. Well, exactly. That might be easier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We had a message from Louisa I wanted to read out to you. Louisa says, I am a lesbian parent in Australia and our eldest child is now 13. Hello, Louisa, and thank you for writing in. Even way back then, there were plenty of books covering TTC, which I think is trying to conceive. Yes. Lesbian parenting, etc. Even if they did have to be sourced online from the feminist bookshops on trips to Sydney. Love it. Online groups have also been a fabulous resource. I joined an LGBT TTC group on baby center which doesn't even exist anymore Mm. when we were in the very early stages of trying to conceive so probably going on 15 plus years there were cisgendered lesbian women a trans man by women partnered single you name it the spectrum was in the group and it was a brilliant wealth of information support and emotional hand-holding 15 plus years later we talked to each other weekly in that in the best little Facebook group that ever existed many of us have met up in real life and have become proper friends this is so lovely Louisa Mm. I'm not sure that's exactly what you're asking for, but that's my experience. Much like queer life in general, when there is no established norm, you make it up as you go along, model through the best, support each other the best you can. Mm. Also, just to add, I'm a Johnny come lately to the podcast, but I'm loving catching up on all the chats. Ah, Louisa, thank you. And who, you know, she's got this lovely gang of like, you know, the whole spectrum, lesbian women, trans man, bi women. Who were your gang who Mm. supported you through your pregnancies? Well, so it's changed in my first pregnancy, I was pretty isolated um, throughout the whole pregnancy. And that was partly self-inflicted in a way because I was much less confident and I was trying to keep it very secretive. Um, and I had moved back to my hometown on the Kent coast from London. Um, so I didn't really have anyone. <laughs> but when I'd found out about pregnant trans men online, I had then that had led me to a very secretive Facebook group. So I mm. I sort of had online people who I was sort of getting to know and then actually eventually did connect with a person who felt very real, who was pregnant at the same time as me, who lives in Loughborough, who we have now become great friends, although oh, we rarely get to see each other. But yeah, so there was him. And then as soon as I gave birth, I was actually pregnant for the first time at the same time as my younger sister also. So we gave birth around the same time. And then... um I sort of discovered, I think through a local pregnancy yoga group, that there was actually a load of other people who had given birth around the same time, all women and all straight, <laughs> um, but people who I'd known, some of whom I'd known years ago and others who I sort of vaguely knew, knew for other people. One of those people created a ad hoc coffee morning thing um, that wasn't at all like, you know, quote, mum and baby groups. It was sort of people who wanted to drink proper coffee and have real chats and kind of avoid the like church hall baby group typical thing right suited me down to the ground i felt i immediately felt very safe in this group of women and they totally welcomed me in and embraced me and there was no question of sort of not doing that and that's partly i think just like a credit to our small town which has always been a little bit queer and a little bit edgy because it's a smuggling town this is deal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a very I love bohemian deal. place. Yeah, it's 
you know, it's got a, it's got a dark history <laughs> with its kind of maritime smuggling stuff. Love and underbelly. Absolutely. I mean, it's like a smaller, I would say better version of Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> That's fighting talk. <laughs> um yeah yes so yeah so that was oh, my crew well that's fantastic that is my crew in fact um and we and the baby group was informally known as the mini smugglers um cool. and it doesn't ever it doesn't physically exist anymore sadly but a couple of those people are now pregnant again at the same time as me and we still have a facebook group chat every day active so those are my real life people um and only very occasionally do i feel like the odd queer out in that group but mostly mm-hmm. like we have plenty in common and I love them all and I feel very loved by them. And then there are people like my friend Loughborough Absolutely. online um, and I've met more people like that since online. And so I sort of feel like although we hardly ever see each other, I do have, have a group of seahorse dads and papas mm. in the UK and I have a couple abroad as well who I'm regularly in touch with. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And, and think about where you are now, and you're on the precipice of having your second. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I said precipice. That makes <laughs> no, it's that's accurate. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Um, and you could go back and talk to Freddie, who on the first day you thought, I think I'm going to, you know, come off testosterone and I'm going to have a kid. What would you say to that, Freddie? <sighs> um, well, I guess I would say, well done. <laughs> you know, yes, this is right. You're on the right track. It won't be easy, my God, especially the first pregnancy. It will be harder than you can imagine. And, Mm. um, you know, your dysphoria will come raging back and you will doubt yourself every single day. But then, like, you'll get through it and you'll meet all these amazing people and you'll get back on testosterone and you'll be amazed (laughs) by how it's sort of how quickly it feels like it was all just a blur and it, maybe it never really happened and now you're a dad yeah I, I i don't think i don't want to say that's like a universal experience for trans men on t you know at all but um when i first when i went to see my endocrinologist the hormone doctor after having sj and i was carrying sj in a on my chest in a carrier and I had an appointment with the endo and he offered me there and then a shot of testosterone and I hadn't realized that would happen. I thought I would have to get a prescription from him and then wait a couple more weeks and make an appointment with a nurse at my GP. But he just offered me there and then I just broke down into tears. And I I had a real like movie moment of like, you did it. You're on the other side. It was Mm. bizarre, like transcendent experience. And then since then, this it's been so much more positive and, and having that sense of like, I know what to expect. 
I know that I will get back to feeling like myself quicker than I could imagine. It just makes this time so much easier. And I just, I guess I wish in a way I could get back and say to that person, it's going to be so hard, but you really don't have to hide away. Um, cause not having to hide away this time round is so much better. <laughs> and I find like Instagram a really positive space, uh, to be in around this time. Um, so I'm sad that I missed out on that the first time around, but you know, mm. it's a learning experience. I'm thrilled to hear that though, mm. that it's a positive place for you. It's really funny you say that about your, your lovely gang, uh, your group, because I'm NCT classes. That's it. I couldn't, I'm, I was trying to, when you were asking the question, telling me, I was like, it's NCT, isn't it? I really don't want to go to NCT classes. Sorry, I've said it. Don't. I didn't. I didn't want to either. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I look back and think, why did I think that was such a big deal? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know anyone that went to them locally. I mean, there are there isn't an NCT thing right in our town, which I think obviously makes mm-hmm. a difference. My <laughs> my sister, towards the end of my pregnancy, my sister sent me a 10 video playlist on YouTube by the Positive Birth Company of hypnobirthing and that was it <laughs> that was all really? i did and it was a breathing technique that i learned from that which it was fundamental to my positive birth experience obviously this isn't something you're going to go through but just to sort of say i don't think you have to do any of the things <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and, and if you wanted to if there's some kind of uh, mindfulness or hypno thing you know just get the free stuff on online you don't have to pay Mm, interesting yeah because yeah. there's a lot of money to be made out there so it feels well, yeah. like you should pay and can pay and all the rest of it but like, you, you might have you might find that your gp or, or your local start right center or something there's there's lots of mm-hmm. alternatives to nct and i'm not sure i don't know if ever nct deserves it's kind of slightly stuffy bad rap but it definitely hasn't made any efforts to seem inclusive which i think <laughs> really is a mark against it yeah i think people That's sometimes people assume that they just are inclusive and so like that will come across, but it doesn't. You need to be really explicit about it. Mm, interesting. So I'm just thinking about it being Transparent Day and mm. I'm thinking about our trans listeners who want to become parents. What is Freddie McConnell's one-stop shop? <laughs> this is such a nebulous question to say one-stop shop about. Where, where perhaps might they go first, you know, for beginning that journey? Um, because you said GPs are useless. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there still isn't much readily available information. There's not an obvious answer to this still, which is kind of frustrating and a bit depressing. Mm. I mean, so this is this is a bit weird, but like, if you're actually at the point of wanting to try and and like connect with other people. Even if you're not necessarily trying to become pregnant, but you want to become a parent through adoption or um, surrogacy or your partner is cis and you're a trans man, for instance. What with what the community has done is basically you can add someone on Facebook called mm-hmm. MX Seahorse. Mm-hmm. And that account is, is monitored by a couple of people and it keeps a, a, an up to date list of all the like trans related parenting groups. And it used to just be like three. And now I think there's probably over 20. That are, some of them are really super specific. Like there's fit things for neurodivergent parents or um, parents who have trans kids who are also trans themselves and that, and that sort of thing. So that might sound kind of a bit uh, makeshift, but it is because that's no, all we have at the perfect. moment. You can add MX Seahorse and they will point you in the right direction 
if you if or if you're sort of not at that stage yet you know i I did a podcast at the bbc last year called pride and joy which is all about yes. sort of how queers have kids so like that might be a good way to think about what options are available to you i mean yeah when when before i conceived sj i read books that were definitely aimed more at lesbians and gay men but i still got a lot out of them because it's it showed me struck family structures that i could never even conceived of and, and actually especially the kind of books that have been written by gay men in the 80s who were really on the forefront of becoming gay dads some of them explore their insecurities uh, and the issues that they faced in ways that are very relevant today in terms of like can i do this am i allowed to do oh, wow. this do i deserve this am i going to damage my kids all that sort of stuff so read some books do you remember any names no i can't remember there was one in particular that was um jilly cooper riders <laughs> That's the one. Polo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've all got quite generic titles. That's just why I can't remember. I mean, there's one called yes. there's one called something like "And Baby Makes More," which is okay. about co-parenting. But yeah, just like just look at what's out there. Like, yeah, don't maybe you just don't limit yourself to like trans-specific resources because there aren't that many. And uh, like you said before, the queer experience of parenting is there's so much overlap. Well, it's reminding me of what we said at the very beginning. You know, you kind of take from it what you feel useful and make your own version. That's the same with parenting or it's the same with finding your route towards parenting. Yeah, I've definitely like, you know, you, you have discussions with people about doing it. But in my version, you know, like you go, I've had discussions with people about doing it. And you're like, okay, so that's what I'll do. Mm. And then you actually always know that I'm not going to identicate do that mm. because you find your own version. You go, oh, I don't want to do it like that. And this is, you know, you've got to find, you've got to trust your gut and go with what feels right for you as well. I yeah. think that's because you can otherwise you just feel like you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. Trust your gut in terms of the like practicalities. And, you know, if, and if you want to adopt, do that. I think, I think like that's got to be in a way a specific urge and we don't talk about that enough we talk about adoption as a kind of plan b or like a consolation prize mm. but having followed adopters on instagram a lot more recently i now have a different understanding of it and i kind of feel like if that's your route to parenthood then do that specifically because um that's it's it's its own thing right and and likewise if you want to be biologically related to your kids do that like pursue that don't worry about judgment or um mm. whether it's like the right way to do it just because that's <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there's any room for that when it comes to something as fundamental as parenthood and kids and how you want to make that work because it's so subjective and personal. Um, and, and also, like, one of the biggest things, I think, apart from the practicalities, is is gaining the confidence. Um, I remember hearing about this study once that, like, a, a very low number of queer youth express interest in parenthood relative to their cis straight peers, mm-hmm. um, which is not surprising, you know, because, like, it's not really made available to us and and we're and maybe we're young and we just think ah oh, it's not really something i'm interested in but but queer elders express much higher rates of regret about not pursuing parenthood than mm. cis straight people who who don't pursue parenthood so there's a mismatch there so there's something about what's making those kids say they don't want to become parents that's maybe not rooted in their actual desire and is rooted more in like stereotypes and judgment mm. um so i think just like confidence and belief that you can do it is so important to like queer mm. parenting and making it happen. Um, so if that's what you feel you're lacking, focus on that and then the practicalities can come later. Sort of that's thing. lovely advice. Well, listen, Freddie, um, you've been amazing. I'm going to ask you to join in Culture Club in a second, but I'm just going to end our little chat by saying 
congratulations and good luck with the rest of your term. Thank is you. that what they say? Term? Probably. It sounds like prison, but yeah, that's kind of what this is. <laughs> <laughs> your last trimester, you know. That's the one. Listen to me with all the <laughs> Listeners, please let us know. Please write in. Please uh, continue the conversation. And around that, Dan, you sent in a thing about adoption that I was talking about at the very top. Write in. Tell us your resources. We'll read them out. That would be wonderful because Freddie was just talking about uh, adoption. Should we spin over to Culture Club, where we ask our listeners what they're watching, what they're reading, what they're listening to? Lots of podcasts on the list this week, listeners. There's only one podcast. No, I'm joking. We asked everybody what they're watching. Started re-watching the original Planet Earth, still amazing as ever. Oh, very back. Jim says, finally got around to watching a very English scandal, Russell T. Davies drama, that uh, Russell T. Davies' previous guest, who I think I speak about every week. Is that the Hugh Grant and Ben Whishaw? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. And that sex scene. What are you watching at the moment? What am I watching? Well, I just watched the first episode of the new series of Succession. Did you love it? Uh, yes. Me too. Yeah, my stepdad and I are very into that, so that's quite fun. I felt like it was a bit funnier than usual, but yeah, that's not a bad thing. I'm just going to rewatch the other the other seasons because I just need to get more of a fix. Like an hour isn't enough. Yes. It's so brilliant that show. We asked you what you've been listening to. Lots of podcasts. There we go. Um, Jen has been listening to James Acaster's Perfect Sounds podcast. Lena has been listening to the Queer Lit podcast. Oh, must give that a listen. Ori has been listening to Tunnel 29. And Gerard's been listening to Belinda Carlisle because <laughs> she's got a new single out, Get Together. Nice. Mm, didn't know that. I recognise the name. I wouldn't be able to pick her out of a lineup, I have to say. Really? Ooh, baby, do you know that? Heaven is a place oh, okay. on earth. Right. Oh my god. Well yeah. you're just on the cusp. Belinda Carlisle was sort of fading as I was hitting thirteen and you were you're how you're how old are you? Thirty five. So you're four years younger than me. So she was exiting as I was finding her. Okay. But find her I did. Um <laughs> I love her. She's just queer icon. Yeah, I've got really boringly stereotypically male musical interests, which I feel like I have to apologise for. T Rex. T-Rex, Bowie, Zeppelin, all that, you know, that's how I got through oh, my teenage years. Come on. You know, if you love it, you love it. Um, are you listening to anything new? Is anything exciting? Um, I'm not sure I could say it's new, but the podcast I always shout out when I get an opportunity is Tailenders. Oh, <laughs> with Felix from the Maccabees. Yeah, indeed. Do you know, are oh, you friends? Yeah. Oh, and nice. uh Tommy, who works on this podcast, also works on Tailenders. Oh, wow. Okay, I'd be careful about my fanboying then, because this could get embarrassing. No, oh. fanboy away. We let, Felix is one of the nicest people on the face of planet Earth. Right. Well, I mean, that comes across. That's what it's like. It feels like a podcast that harks back to the uh, early days of podcasting, where you mm. really did feel like listening into a chat between friends. And mm. it wasn't just someone trying to do that in a contrived way, which is what happens now kind of thing. Oh, my God. I just love I apologize. So no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't realize how shady that might come across. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike some where it's no, just fucking uh, early. Well, I've been listening to this for years, so I feel like I would count Homo sapiens oh, in, in more you, of Freddy. the... Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's very kind of you to say. Please rate and subscribe to over your friends. <laughs> um, so... But then that's the only podcast you shout. Tailenders is the one you shout out I mean, when you get given the opportunity. Well, I, um, you know, I, I listen to over a hundred podcasts, so I have to be careful. I, do you? Could, I mean, Jesus, yeah. I've, I like, yeah. I've had podcasts. I had one of the original iPods, and then I've like 
religiously listened my friends are always teasing me about i'm always i have one earpod in or airpod these days because i'm sort of always half distracted by the podcast i'm listening to probably so unhealthy so when you had that ipod what was on it just mark maron that was the only Buxton. (laughs) i remember hearing the first ever wtf and i was at university and i was so miserable and confused and isolated and this was like a couple years before i came out and i lived on wtf and mm. um a podcast called oh yeah dude which i'm not sure it still exists but was okay. just like two friends in america chatting shit um again in a really unique and incredible way yeah that is like that is my shit is mark maron the one who interviewed obama and stuff right yeah but this is a <laughs> this is like the bit where you're sort of like i liked mark maron before you know before it was yes. cool because by that point, it was just huge. And yeah, when it started, he was like genuinely on the verge of a nervous breakdown every single episode, which not mm. not in a kind of voyeuristic way, but like, you know, it felt just incredible to be to be a part of that and to be with him for that. And he interviewed. Mm. Nowadays, I don't listen as much just because, you know, I, it feels I don't really know any of the people he's talking to. And mm. I've, I've... <laughs> Obama. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> But I really needed it then, and I don't so much now as a kind of 35-year-old yeah. dad, <laughs> right, yeah, as yeah. opposed to a sort of, oh, God, yeah, existential crisis, 20-year-old. 20, 20 <laughs> I'm going to draw things to a close, listeners. I'm going to say, please email your comments, questions, and agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Get in touch on Instagram at homosapiens or on Facebook at homosapienspodcast. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank you for all your lovely questions for Freddie. And thank you, Freddie, for being an amazing guest. It's been an honour to chat to you. And good luck with the rest of um, your pregnancy. We cannot wait to see how it all, how things develop. Mm. We are here for you should you need us. Amazing. Thanks so much, Chris. Sorry, I feel like I've made you quite a long shopping list of fried eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. 